Welcome back folks, um, we're about to launch into the second part of um, a interview if you like with Ricky Lambert, um, if you haven't been able to listen to the last episode it might be worth while doing so just from the perspective that uh, we're going we're gonna to launch into the second act if you like of his um, career and life, namely that move from the Riverland to Adelaide and, um, and moving into the political realm and so um, perhaps uh, as a question and you can answer this however you like, in fact you can even um, ignore the question, but um, moving into the political space um, must be a tricky one as a believer, and not just that. Then the quirk of moving into the political space in what is known as a as a Christian political party. Yeah, there's all sorts of things to try and understand and work with in there. And uh, I admit, when I look back to doing th- certain things in life, I just go, "Because oh, I didn't even have a clue." Um, maybe you were far more intelligent in that time and, and considered and understood it better than, than I would have. But um, talk us through, if you like, you know, that move, starting off into that realm, uh, wrestling through some of those things and how you actually um, best functioned as a missionary within that political realm. And it's an aggressive, difficult space to be in sure at the is. best of times, sure let, let alone functioning as in a Christian party with that so those same parameters. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go with that somewhere. Uh, yeah, look, um, one of the critical things um, in my life uh, and from what I talked about in the previous episode was that after I gave my my life or control of my life over to God, I started to receive words of instruction from Him for the church or words to share in you know, church meetings, whatever else. And I didn't know what was really going on there until uh, 2000 when I was in um, at a Christian conference over New Year. Um, and you might have heard of Michael Dutchke, some of the listeners, uh, you know Michael, um, yeah. he was there, um, as were a number of people I've come across in the Lutheran context, where I gave a prophetic word at that conference. And um, in front of a thousand people, young people or whatever else. And my point in saying that is that I had started to see in my life the way God was interested in Once I let him sit in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger seat, he was interested in starting to direct where I went. So when I um, was encouraged to run for Family First in 2006, I went to a church in Loxton and I was sharing about, it was a men's meeting and I was sharing about the importance of making every minute count with your kids because I'd lost my child um, and that really cut to the heart for these blokes to realise you just don't know how long you've got with your kids so make the most of every moment. And then afterwards, there was a couple of guys spoke to me afterwards, uh, and uh, one who's known in that local area in Loxton for his prophetic capabilities <coughs> said, I see you um, walking in the corridors of power. Uh, and he explained, you know, pillars and things like that. And I went, wow, okay, that's, you know, I'm just a candidate here, you know, I'm just, yeah. a, I'm just a lawyer running for office. You didn't expect to win, did I, you? I, you knew, just... I knew, you know, God always leaves room for miracles, but I knew I wasn't going to win. Yeah. I knew that once this was over, I was going to go back to my legal practice as a general practice lawyer and, you know, not necessarily forget about it all, but really yeah. just get back to regular you, life. You were running for the party's yeah. sake, yeah. So he gave that word, and then he introduced me to a guy sitting next to him who was just wide-eyed and freaked out because he was just receiving prophetic words, not for me, but just generally, that were you know huge for the future. And um, whilst he didn't share many of them with me, I realised how the, the prophetic um, voice of God was present in yeah. that moment. And so for me, it wasn't so much an intellectual or a... Um, uh, a well thought through reason to um, 
take up an opportunity to work for the party. It was simply I had been uh, received that prophetic word, and lo and behold, a couple months after that prophecy, there I was walking in the corridors of power in that very vision this guy had had. Yeah. Because it was in tune with where God was taking me. To walk away from... I had a great opportunity and I, I felt as a Christian I was heading in the right direction to be a Christian lawyer and run my firm on Christian principles yeah. and even be able to evangelize uh, through the work that I did. Uh, but then God had other plans. And that yeah. really is almost what you could put on my memoirs one day as the title. God had other plans. Yeah. Uh, and so he sent me down there to work uh, with these guys in politics and it was his, you know, regular instruction and encouragement um, to follow him because having given my life, given control of my life to God, I had to then be okay with where he took it. Yeah. You know, you give the driver's seat to someone, you say, you go where you want to take this. You can't sit there protesting as a backseat driver and saying, well, where, where are you taking me? Yeah. We do it. Yeah. We say to Father God, well, why are you driving me here or there? But he just looks at you and says... You gave me the steering wheel. Yeah. I'm, I'm driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was really uh, not so much a reason decision as a faith decision. Is that that's where God had called me for my next mission. Okay, okay. You use the term missionary quite rightly. Uh, you know, it was my mission. Yeah. And still has been my mission for 10 years to be in the political arena. Well, one of the things I want to pick up on is, um, you know, you mentioned in our last episode that your dad an emotional moment that actually uh, was quite a uh, distinctive shift in your family and in your own faith. And I would actually say that, you know, the witness of you as a friend over the years is that, you know, you, you are happy to be emotional as well. Um, and and the I think the, the, the great link and gift that you have is that uh, you ply your trade, you ply your stewardship to whatever is in front of you, but you're also prepared to trust the revelation of God. I think Eldridge talks about wisdom and revelation. Mm -hmm. And so in the wisdom, you do whatever you think is best, but you um, submit to listening and hearing what God has for yep. you. And that's been a pivotal part of your journey by the sounds of it, yep. um, both in life and politics. Yeah. And I encourage people to roll back to um, Neil Gamble's podcasts uh, in this series. Uh, they, yeah. are in, they, in, they capture and probably ramped up um, the hearing from God stuff that we were already hearing to the point where we could re we really trusted God with his direction in our life. And one of my passions um, in the kingdom is to see people hearing from God uh, and also to see prophecy used in the church. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, 14, 15, and important to read them, and 12, you know, all of them in sequence to see the, the, the work of the church and how prophecy, and when I use the term prophecy for those who aren't familiar with it, because yeah. certainly the Lutheran context we'd been brought up with, they didn't really have a clue what prophecy actually looked like yeah. at that time and maybe still don't. But it's, it's edification, it's for building up the church, it's for encouraging people. So it doesn't have to be a fancy, thus says the Lord, when it comes to prophecy like you read in the Old Testament, it's... Oh, Craig, you're doing a great job. Yeah. You know, um, I really sense God's going to bless your business this month. Yeah. You know, those sorts of things. Um, if you feel God's giving it to you, you share it. And so when Paul in the in um, 1 Corinthians says, uh, you know, I, I eagerly desire that you would all prophesy, that's what he's talking about. He's yeah. talking about building the, each other up in the church. He spends a bit of time, you know, going on about speaking in tongues and saying, look, this is all fantastic for the people who are outside the church who hear a voice and come in because they've heard someone speaking in their language. Yeah. But 
He says for the church and for the nurture of the church and for its growth, we need prophecy. That's what he wants to see more of. And that's what I'm keen to see more of in the church. Um, I, I recall back to a time in our friendship where you were grappling with how it is, you know, I'm hearing these things and yet there doesn't seem to be a space in the function of the church to either learn this this um, gift or grow in this gift or fan this gift into flame. Um, and, and if I could learn it, then how do I apply it? Um, what, what was the moment or what, what happened for you to feel like you could function in that and, and you know, from, from all accounts you, yep. you are functioning in that mm-hmm. as you feel you should be yep. um, so what you know what was the shift what were the, uh-huh. the, the dynamics of that shift one of the big shifts was that I had to get out of my head and uh, there's stuff you guys have shared earlier in these very early in these podcasts about the role of apostles and prophets in the church I had to get out of my head the idea I would become a prophet and God gave me this oh, word okay. in um uh, in 2000 after I gave the prophetic word John 4.19 I didn't know what John 4.19 says I went and read it and the words thankfully the woman it was in the Bible at, yeah the woman at the well said to Jesus oh, sir I can see you are a prophet so there's me with my sort of baby steps understanding of prophecy just given this big prophecy I go oh I'm a prophet then so where's my role in yeah. the church where, where's my name badge and can so yeah yeah but it's it gets worse than that you get to this point where we talked about this before coming on air, um, letting that define you, you know, trying to be defined by something and having a position and a yeah. title or, a, you know, a, a, your name on a desk somewhere. And then having mechanisms that create exclusivity yeah. to that. Yeah. To keep that Because I was distance. starting to see, I'm reading my Bible and I was in a church context where there were pastors, you know, dime a dozen pastors, but yeah. no prophets. And I'm yeah. reading, you know, a five-fold ministry description in uh, Ephesians. Yeah. And I'm going, well, where's the prophets? Where's the evangelists, for that matter? Where's the um, where's the teachers? And so, I had to get over that first and get a good theological understanding that um, God's not about giving people titles just so they can be gurus on yeah. these sorts of things. So that took me a while journeying in that to realise that's not what it's about. And when Paul says he wants everyone to prophesy, because when I realised the deficit in 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 prophecy in the places I'd moved in church yeah and I suspect I think it's lacking in a lot of church life when I saw that deficit where I was God put on my heart well you're going to have to do it you know I love the pioneering spirit I'm driven to you know the Riverland is a place that is a pioneering region I grew up around people who pioneered technology and living in the most hostile environment you know potentially on the planet apart from Antarctica so I love pioneering and so when God showed me that the reason there isn't you know, so people who are moving well in the prophetic is because no one's had the heart to to do it. You know, when God gives you a gift, it's not for you to play with on Christmas morning. Yeah, it's for you to bless others with. Yeah. So that's what I've decided to do with that prophetic gifting He's given me is to encourage and raise others up. And those listening times we've had in our network yeah. uh, have been an opportunity for people to hear from God. And I just love that what we do is we talk now about helping everyone hear from God clearly. And that's what Neil Gamble's on about in those podcasts you'll see earlier in the series here. Uh, that's key. You know, yeah. For me, that's key about not just you know my career, and I don't believe in the word career really, but where God has taken me has been hearing from God in an instructional way. And I like to jokingly say, if you think of Stephen the Irishman in Blackheart, a bad like Braveheart, yeah. uh, you know, Sometimes it is a bit like that, where he's hearing from... Father, he's a little, little bit crazy. They <laughs> think he's a bit crazy. And there are some people who hear from God in that way, but for yeah. most of us, it's just a calm, 
encouragement, maybe in our quiet times or whatever else. But for me, God tells me jokes. He shows me things that are just funny. I like that. I have a lot of laughs with God. I think there's so many crazy things in the world. He's got to have a sense of humour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, prophets can you know often be seen as people who are moody and unusual. Um, I know that someone's written a book called The Happy Intercessor because they said, uh, yeah, intercessors always seem broody and difficult and whatever. You know, in the end, you know, Revelation 19... The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness of Jesus. Yes, yeah. and and how that how that actually propels us towards Christ is the main thing. It's, yeah. it's not clairvoyancy. It's not seeking to try and get the blueprint yeah. for and our if success. I, if I can, on behalf of people who've had experience in the prophetic, repent of creating that environment of some sort of mysticism or magic about yeah. having the prophetic yeah. in your life or having intercession in your life because all that is make that a national apology I'll be blunt about this you know <laughs> I think part what that is in a large part is that they've not been appreciated in their church and so they've tried to build a mysticism around it yes uh, a guru environment so that people will go well they're the they're the they're the people that do that stuff. I could never do what they do. I could do. never do that. But for me, that's not what I read in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, I think it is, or, and 15. That's not what Paul's saying. He's yeah. saying, don't make prophecy so mystical that only some of you feel special enough to do it. He wants everyone to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more than in, you know any of the other gifts. So that's why I'm so passionate about it, because I think, why would you, just like hearing from God, why would you deny any believer the opportunity to hear from God and receive instruction from their life and encouragement and building up from other Christians why would you withhold that from them I mean, yeah. what kind of church is that yeah, yeah. where they say we're not going to let you hear from God we're not going to let you be encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Christ we're just going to get you to somehow hear from God some other ways and as Neil Gamble says you know it becomes very dangerous when you release a whole heap of people to dynamically have their own connection with God rather than just getting the uh, the second hand scraps yeah. Um, and it does It does remind me, I think in Ephesians 4, my version says something like, when each part does its work, the other parts grow. Yes. As, as if to say, you know, the, the body needs us to function in what we've been given. And I think we should all, like Paul says, you know, I, I want all of you to prophesy, more than speaking in tongues. Yeah, but also, uh, I'm pretty sure it says in there too, to... You're going to have to check this out, guys, because we're just... Yeah, I'm not flipping through my Bible I'm trying to maintain the flow here. 79% of all statistics are made up, and Bible verses. <laughs> but um, to be humble with that as well, there are showier gifts, and there are less showier yeah, gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there the you go, Corinthians 12 again. You know, it's, it's a bit like, you know, there's parts of you that you keep in your underpants and others you put on display. That, that's next episode. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the... These are all part of the body, and yeah. I think that the body is unhealthy and not functioning properly if um, we are not encouraging the use. And it's not about the gifts, because that's what that's right. it says in 1 Corinthians, it's about love, and I want to focus on that yeah. uh, somehow, is that um, if I have, as Paul says, I have, if I not only do all these flashy gift things, if I speak in tongues, speak in the language of angels, and importantly, Paul says, if I surrender my body to the flames. So it's not just about prophecy, and yeah. it's about if Martyrdom. I become a martyr, you know, it's all pointless if I haven't loved yeah. people. And I feel that you will experience more of those outworkings of those gifts, you know, even raising people from the dead and what have you, if your starting point is love, love of Father, love of the lost, love of the church. Yeah, I think that's the key. That's why Paul talks about it in that way. Is that you'll see plenty of people doing showy stuff. I mean, yeah. this was though. Some people might not be old enough to remember the televangelists of the American era, but you know this showy spiritual stuff yeah. uh, is just 
frankly, it's charlatanism. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's um, just a just a show for the world to say how mystical and amazing we are. But you're not seeing the love there. They yeah. say I heard someone saying on ABC Radio a day or so ago the fastest growing churches in America today are the African American churches, where people the evangelical ones, where people feel a sense of family. Yeah. And for me, that's what's great about what we do as church and what we're encouraging people to do through these podcasts is about love and it's about people feeling part of a community and accepted. Yeah. Uh, because that's what God's about. I only heard Taya say last night, I think it was quoting Galatians 5, 6, that the most important thing is faith expressing itself in love. Mm. It's a very, very salient thing to say after talking about circumcision. Anyway, um, we didn't get, we got, we got slightly sidetracked there. We didn't get onto some of the political um ruminations that uh that have been a part of ricky's life so maybe um i'm going to check in and and uh, get him to help me and us get up to speed on uh, what's transpired of recent times and how he's negotiating his way through that in christ thanks again ricky i appreciate your time mate cheers yeah.